0: Thank you very much to our Amsterdam patrons who have sponsored this episode. They are Patrick Burt, Paul Wallace, Steve Tosin. You guys should now have access to the next episode of The Wire Stripped in your inboxes. Everyone else, please do listen out to how to join our Patreon later on in the show.
1: Every country in the world, possibly with the possible exception of North Korea, has signed up to the UN conventions on drugs. And they are driven by American philosophy, American politics, and they're pretty much wrong across the board.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 3 of The Wire Stripped. I am Kobe, And I'm Dave. I nearly forgot my name though, I was going to say your name first, I don't know why.
2: Don't worry, I got you covered. I know what your name is, I would have picked it up.
0: (laughs) And we're going to be talking about season 3, episode 3 of The Wire, and that episode is Dead Soldiers. Yes.
2: Pause while checks notes. <laughs> we know we know all these episode names off intimately.
0: Just want to, just want to make sure we're providing the top quality content that you guys require, <laughs> and I've been baying for for at least a year. So uh, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to make sure I said the right name of the title. This, this is episode. why we
2: took so much time off was to learn off all the names of the episodes, <laughs> and it's paid off. Um, as always if you want to contact us uh, and chat about anything that you uh, hear on this episode or anything in general uh, you can email us producers at thewirestripped.com or just hit us up on any of our socials that's at thewirestripped
0: yeah find us on Instagram and Twitter and we do have a lot of fun with you guys and we do love receiving your emails Uh, in particular the emails are saying where you guys been and we hopefully answering (laughs) this with these podcasts now
3: yeah,
2: sorry again. <laughs> uh,
0: but without any further ado, let's head into the episode for real. When you walk through the garden, you gotta
4: watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. When you walk with Jesus, He's gonna save your soul. Just gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole He got the fire and the
0: fury Hey guys, here we are on the offsite And we are watching Daniels talking to the rest of his team How's that going?
2: Yeah, they're just in the other room Yeah, We have our own little uh, section of the offsite here yeah. Where we, we, we have headphones and... We're, we look like we're doing a wiretap, actually. I've just realised. Looks like we're listening. Yeah.
0: We're listening, to, we're listening for, but nothing's, nothing's going on. Except about.
2: we're just listening to ourselves. Yeah. It's like a, a wire feedback loop. A weird meta. <laughs>
0: like, how does time travel work? <laughs> Maybe someday we'll uncover this. Yeah. And let's get into the story. It's, it's, um, yeah, what do you think of this episode? It's a, it's, it, I think it's just typical of the wire episodes of the first few episodes in a season. It's a builder. It's a yeah. builder episode and it does lay the pathway for a lot of the stuff that does happen in it so it's one it's you know a builder episode you need to pay attention otherwise you might miss a lot of the stuff that happens later on or you don't get the full effect of what happens later on in the in the season
2: yeah exactly they they the bricks are being laid here and you've got to pay attention to the cement i don't know how bricks work i don't know how building works Callus, callus. <laughs> How does building work? <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's let's get into it. Is, we're looking at about. I mean, we've got a lot of plot uh, storylines running through this. Uh, let's start over at the uh, major case unit because they're just next door to us here. Yep. Um, so we get. Daniel's uh, has basically been instructed to pursue a new target uh, after the absolute dog fuck up uh,
0: (laughs) in the last, which was a spectacular moment. That whole Method Man thing with the dog was is actually brilliant. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I forget how good that. Method Man is such a good actor. He's very good in this. Yeah, he slips right in. But I and it's it's another great example
2: not to dwell too much on that. But it's another great example of how the Wire presents chaos often as a as an element of, uh, of, of change. Yeah. Or, or it's, you know, it or or when you see the the spark of an incident that creates a chain of events. You know, we saw it with Valchek and the stained glass window, which yeah. ended up with the death of Frank Sabotka, for instance. And it's here, it's like a miscommunication over or a misunderstanding over a dog on a wiretap has completely diverted an ent- the entire major case unit yeah. uh, to Kintel Williamson.
0: Do we actually ever see his face? I didn't spot it here. I yeah.
2: just—I mean, his name gets thrown He's around kin- a lot.
0: Well, we see—we see the chalk. We see the the corkboard. Yeah. And there's a picture put on there, but I don't actually know if we ever see him in the show. We'll find out maybe as we as we revisit it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, so but it's been a while. <laughs> but Manolty is not that pleased. He doesn't. He doesn't care for Kintel Williamson, which I feel. I kind of feel quite sorry for him. It doesn't. Aren't there other people that deserve, like, the attention that Stringer Bell is getting? Maybe, you know, there's potentially big, bigger people in Stringer Bell in, in Baltimore to head after.
2: Well, I think it's it's problematic because, yes, you're right, McNulty kind of is right. Like, this isn't a worthy target for yeah. them, is it? Um, but like, like we'd said in previous episodes, McNulty is is on a path of vengeance in mm. many ways, isn't he? And he is so self-centred that it's become about him and Stringer Bell in many ways. And he's like a dog with a bone and he can't let that go. Yeah. Even when it could cost him, you know, this great unit that that he's ended up with. Yeah. Don't forget he was on the boats. That's right,
0: yeah. Last year, Dixie. Yeah. Where is Dixie? Bring um, Dixie back. <laughs> get, get him hashtag, in the major case unit. Hashtag bring Dixie yeah. back. <laughs> um, I mean, not too often one, but there is... I really remember watching this for the first time and, and on subsequent rewatches now I loved how he's the only person that's picked up the trailers to what happened to D'Angelo and kind of thought like mm, something's something's not right here and you want me to deal with this bullshit Kintel Williamson guy I, I've got something here and he had a kinship with, with D'Angelo even though obviously they weren't friends you could say but he respected D'Angelo and you can see that he wasn't, it wasn't a suicide. So I'm going to, to see what happens. And also, Hey, it might help me get string a bell. So there's a few, <laughs> yeah, a few things in that, in that quiver that he's playing with.
2: Well, do you think I'm not, I didn't really get much of him doing it for D'Angelo's sake at all. Do
0: you not? No, I, I didn't. And look, that's just my
2: reading of it. I, <laughs> I don't think McNulty's, I think he's got heart. He's not set that way. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think he's like, he sees injustice, so to speak. Or, and maybe I'm wrong. Sure. Um, but I think he's, so, he's seeing a way to get to Stringer Bell. He's, yeah. he's seeing, or he's seeing pieces that have been missed correctly because he's good police. Yeah. And I think that scene is so good that where he, when he goes to the prison, goes to the scene of D'Angelo's death. Yeah. And similar, to, you know, a little callback to uh, season one, in a way, the, the fuck scene with him and Bunk. Mm. The, he doesn't say a word in that whole scene. True. Yeah, he doesn't. And so he's not... Communicating his thoughts uh oh sorry through words he's not uh, just like that scene we just see his thought process as he enacts it and just like I mean it puts the belt around his neck yep. and you just and you could just see I mean w- we were saying it last
0: season seen, Yeah, so it doesn't <laughs> add up anyway how did anybody look at that that's and, what I mean it's just, yeah. it's just it's incredulous that people just thought oh he's dead uh, he's on the floor he's got okay he's got a belt around him yeah he must have killed himself it's like <laughs> Guys, physics. Like, have a take a second to think about how this actually happened. Yeah. Um, so it's it's bizarre, but also great that Minotti is, is is the one to kind of see through this. But also, yeah, potentially it's narcissism that's leading him, rather than uh, altruism that's trying to you, vengeance for <laughs> for, for Just, justice, justice for D'Angelo, justice for
2: D. Yeah. I mean, no matter what's motivating him. It's a real like fist in the air moment, isn't yeah, it? it is. Like when I'm you're like, finally I'm like, yes, say, finally. Because as an audience, you know yeah. we love D'Angelo, yeah.
0: and I think he deserves justice. So this, yeah, it's it's exciting. Um, one thing that kind of annoys me with the minority is that he's pissing off Freeman, and Freeman's kind of saying, guys, I know Kintel's not the the best target, but he's a a he's a target, and we are want we really want to keep what we've got going on together because the major case unit is actually really really cool, um, and. He doesn't want to go back into the porn unit because that was bollocks for 13 years informants. And, and like you said before, McNulty was on the boat. He doesn't want to go back on the boat. Surely he doesn't want to go back on the boat.
2: Yeah, I think it's and it's just. But the, you're right. This just tells you so much about Freeman and McNulty and their approach to things yeah. because they are very. They're both probably equally capable police officers. They're, they're, but we've seen them both. They're excellent at their job and doggedly determined but Lester is more cautious and careful and knows a good thing when he sees it. And and, uh, Jimmy's just a bull in a china shop.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I love the beautiful mess that is McNulty.
0: It was an honor to hear from Deirdre Lovejoy, AKA Rhonda Pillman.
3: You know, he is perfectly flawed, I think. You know, he's he's a good everyman and um, he's messy and he's sloppy and he doesn't do anything neatly. (laughs) I think that appeals to all of us somehow. Uh, he's a very, uh, you know, he's he and uh, he is willing to you know, say fuck it to authority. He is willing to to do what 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 we all wish we could do. I think at times. So or and don't dare.
5: All his morality, unfortunately, for the significant others in his life, is. Uh, in his police work.
0: This is the voice of Andy Brassel, who is one of the hosts of the Football Ramble and on the Continent podcast and is a huge fan of The Wire.
5: I, I think that's, that's the thing, really. Um, I think he realises in this series that he actually puts too much energy into his police work.
0: Um, well, let's head over to the Western. Yeah, let's pop out there now, just around the corner. <laughs> um, the start of this kind of storyline, we see oh we see it right this is the cold open and Bunny's in the toilet and this other major is there yakking up in the toilet because he's shit scared that he's going to get his ass handed to him uh, by Rawls and, and Burrell and he does get his ass handed to him in a spectacular fashion Rawls is vicious that's an awful scene it's, an, it's like only second to your man from um, Full Metal Jacket the star <laughs> yes yeah very like that <laughs>
2: I, th- I thought this was brilliantly directed. The way the the scenes well, first of all, the, to have the toilet scene first, very yeah. clever, and then the camera starts on the back of his neck.
0: You see the beads of sweat,
2: yeah, like, forming, <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, it's like it just it, it that conveys it so well, and you know what's coming from roles, and you just feel. So bad for the guy because yeah. he's just in a you know it's a shit sandwich really isn't
0: it? I can tell Rawls lives that week and <sighs> there's, there's no way this major we forget what his name is and we'll post it and we'll post it later on. But he you can tell Rawls lives. Is looking forward to giving this guy a fucking hiding and one thing that compounds that is that Burrell isn't there we'll get to, to the storyline later on but Burrell's had his ass handed to him in a, in a different scene and he comes into this comstock meeting obviously pissed yeah. off and he's ready to like spit venom uh which it does do um, shit
2: rolls downhill doesn't it
0: it does do yeah, yeah. And that's it. when <laughs> when when Burrell just comes in and says is your uh is your next in line here? Ugh. Okay, you, dude, you stunned down because I'm pissed off, and you guy, you take you're now you're now the commander, and that is a horrible way to lose your job and lose your your major pension. I think,
2: of course, yeah, I, yeah? I have not thought of that,
0: but yeah, it's it's absolutely humiliating. Yeah. It's the kind
2: of thing I think, certainly in this day and age, or maybe I'm wrong, wouldn't like be appropriate, or would certainly be a. Um, you know, that guy would have grounds for unfair dismissal or all number of things, probably, right? That's surely, the, I mean, you, you can't do anything these days without HR being in the room. Not, not alone. I don't think you can just march in and be like, yeah. you're out.
0: <laughs> you, you're up. <laughs> and it's just, it's bad because it, it's such a, a horrible situation that comes that because the only way they can be seen to be doing better is by duking the stats. Yeah. And this is a moralistic point that Bunny takes, that I'm not going to do this. I don't want, this is not police work. And uh, that's the you know that's a great segue to that scene,
2: where, yeah. which is almost a mirror, and it's it's so well mirrored, isn't it? Because we 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 get the that original scene with the firing, and then we see Bunny in the same headlights yeah. uh, later on, and he's calm as all hell, isn't he? I, I think mean, that's the
0: thing, isn't it? It's just he knew exactly what he's doing, and he, Rawls was having to go at him, but yeah, because his it, stats were no better, no, oh, it was yeah. a worse. And he refused to doctor them, which we
2: also saw. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which, is, which is absolutely brilliant. And massive testament to the character of, of Bunny. But this lays the seeds after the comp meeting where they're all walking out, Daniels and Val Cheka, like sh- shaking hands and talking to each other and patting each other on the back. And they're all kind of doing a, you know, like a wartime film. So what are you going to do when you get back from the war? And um, they're all <laughs> saying, so what are you going to do to like reduce your stats? And Colvin's the one that kind of makes a little joke. Well, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna legalize drugs. That's <laughs> <laughs> such a good line. <laughs> Everyone loves. Everyone's laughing, yeah. <laughs> oh, bunny. Oh, bunny. You, you're silly. You, you're silly guy. Little did I know. But it shows us so much about
2: you know. It's good that they brought Valchek back here because we know Valchek as sort of a you know force of corrupt power. Sure. You know. um on a chaotic lawful if you wanted to use your uh, Dungeons and Dragons references i talking about but he you know he explicitly says to his peers this here's what I'm going to do this 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 and this and if that doesn't work I'll just change the stats um you know totally. he calls it out yeah. and and yet we have the you know and it 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 further contrasts bunny as a character who has a moral moral compass is you know, has played the game straight for quite a while yep. and is coming up to retirement and has kind of seen too much. You know, we got a brief scene of him in the last season where with the, um, you know, the the young boy who was murdered and, and Bunny's there. And this is just like, he's kind of at breaking point. So it's like all the um, pieces have aligned perfectly to put Bunny in this position to be like this force of good and yeah. agent of change. and you ju- And he's also like... Such a wonderful Robert Wisdom, such a wonderful actor Absolutely that you just can't help but love him. Yeah,
5: <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to think of The Wire as um, as, as brutal, as stark, as uh, about about realism rather than idealism. Whereas Bunny Colvin and what he tries to do is actually the opposite you know it's it's not about ticking boxes. it's not about um protocol. it's about him thinking I can actually do something to make something to make things better, and I'm going to use my power for the greater good rather than my own good and even when McNulty is working you know outside the strict confines of the law. And he would say he's being, you know, good police. That's the expression that him and Lester always use, isn't it? Good police. It's it's not about the greater good. It's about him getting the result he wants, which is entirely different. Whereas Bunny is is the guy who's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about what can I give back to the community? I suppose you could say in a way he's, maybe he's thinking, um, what will my legacy be? Because he's, he's, facing retirement maybe this is his tony blair moment i i don't actually believe that maybe you could spin it like that but i, I don't think that's that's the case but he's taking enormous personal risk and he ends up paying for it for something that he genuinely feels will improve the community
1: he's saying
2: juke the stats um it's the same thing as hamsterdam This is podcaster and academic Andrew Johnston, our Baltimore expert. Lie. Put the crime somewhere else. You need to get the murder rate down. And that means you need to say that there weren't murders. You need to say that they were, I don't care what else, but you need to say that they weren't murders. And so Bunny's doing that. I'm just going to move all the crime into one area, and then I'm going to just put the rug over it. <laughs> I'm going to sweep it all under. I'm going to put the rug over it, and I'm going to call it a day. And that blows up in his face, just like juking the stats blows up in Royce's face, and he loses everything. And so it illuminates that. It illuminates the... the honestly the way that we are wasting resources with policing
0: so bunny colvin laughs and kind of jokes with his with his other major with his other majors and high ups in the in commands about legalizing drugs and this is the first time we see him kind of formulate the plan him and mellow surveying the areas yeah we see them scoping out areas but we
2: don't quite know what they're doing right. and, and then um we you know i think he he lays out his plan to us when we follow carver into the um whatever the the morning whip or whatever <laughs> we're, not, we're not police officers whatever, yeah. whatever they call that the standard meaning. yeah um yeah and he explicitly tells them we've this is the area where people can go and we're going to not touch them and yeah. you, uh, you uh, the drug dealers can do their work um and we're going to leave them alone and well, it gets a very interesting reaction
0: it is and what's interesting is how he responds to that and saying oh no no don't, don't worry we're just going to round them up get them all kind of nice and chill that they're happy dealing drugs and then we're going to grab them and that's when everyone kind of goes oh cool i see what you're doing mate that's a, that's a great idea I like it he's doing that to placate them because he knows that's what they want yeah but he's doing it really because he wants to it does want to make a change not just to um doing that's not going to solve the crime problem in the long term it's going to solve it for a short term it's not going to help anything realistically. Yeah, he's got his eyes on a longer
3: goal. Yeah.
2: But you're right. I mean, he had to basically say, you still get to bust some heads yeah. to, you know, he knew he knew the crowd he was exactly. talking to. Exactly.
3: <laughs> Frankie Faison and, and, um, and John were just pff, ridiculous. John was put to fear of God in you, man.
2: We got to speak to the absolute legend and gentleman that is Robert Wisdom, the man that brought Bunny Colvin to life.
3: You know, I mean, he was so fucking hot. And talk about great casting. Woo! I mean, he owned that room, you know. And uh, so, so we were we were legitimately scared, you know. But uh, Bunny, Bunny was a bright guy, um, and you know, he knew he knew enough about what he was good at to kind of move this ball down the field a little bit, you know. And he also knew the element of surprise would work on his behalf. He also knew that um, the lack of imagination would work on his behalf to kind of get this thing going. But he had to control who heard about it and who his allies were.
0: Okay, let's combine a couple of things here in this next storyline. We see Omar raiding a stash, as he he does do. And there's a bit of There's a sense of foreshadowing before they go into the stash because you have Kimmy and Tosha and um, Omar's boyfriend at the time surveying the stash and Omar comes back for the stakeout and Kimmy and Tosha just say, dude, we don't need to do these guys again. You know, we've done the Barksdale crew so many times. They are armed to the hilt. They're very dangerous. There's lots of other people to to rob. And Omar's like, no, no, we need to get these guys. And that foreshadows kind of what happens... The day after or, you know, in, in the in the daytime. Yeah, it's a big... It's the first
2: time we've seen Omar make a mistake, yeah. isn't it? Uh, he's let things get personal and he's on a path to vengeance. Mm. And it's cost him. It's It costs him um, one of his crew. Yeah, Tosha. Tosha,
0: Tosha dies as a result,
2: which, yeah. is, which is harsh. And he almost
0: lost all of them.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, himself included. It's definitely the closest we've seen him bring other people to death, mm. I think, because... Brandon, Brandon, I guess was partly on him, but it was a retaliation. Look, it's all—I guess it's all on him if you think it. But this is <laughs> from from Omar's point of view. Brandon was an injustice, yeah, right. As in, he sees himself as an act of not not like good Robin or Hood evil, good. But yeah, yeah, yeah. As in, is it, he's doing—they've got money and he's doing his job, yeah. and whatever they took issue with that. But this is Omar making a mistake which deliberately cost Tasha, and then I think Michael K. Williams is just brilliant mm. in this episode, and when we see him later in the bed, the grief is visible um and it's it's quite it's quite powerful and and tragic, and the other bit that got me was they couldn't even go to see her in the funeral,
0: yeah, yeah, she's laid out there as a as a trapper's bait um and they have to well Omar says in the across the road just knowing that they can't get any closer to see her to see her laid out like that um which is super tough which is super harsh. she can't there's no closure there um and that's well
2: that's and that's kind of the life you know it's emblematic of the life that they chose yeah. right because they are kind they're literally on the outside there's yeah. a barrier between them and normal decent society isn't there in many ways they're and and they they are literally outlaws they're not a part of regular society they're not a part of the the
0: drug dealer society that they're very isolated yeah they're putting themselves in this unique position uh, where there's very little support and no one's gonna no one's gonna help them Um, and this brings us back to kind of the homicide guys as well Bunk is Bunk is um, not next in line for the for the drop on Tosha but he has to do it because Ray Cole's not about Vernon Holly takes second but Bunk is there on the scene to, to survey what happened. Uh, at the same time, he's getting his ass handed to him. I keep saying ass handed to him in this episode, but that's what happens. A lot of ass is getting handed to a lot of people. Landsman loves talking about his ass. And he, <laughs> and he does do it at this point in, in this episode as well. People are crawling my ass. anyway. Um, and he has to, one thing he has to do, which he's really pissed off about, which seems like a f- thankless task, is to find this gun, which some yeah. guy called Peanut, of which there are like 87 of them in Baltimore uh has taken and he has to find his gun and it's just such a why is he doing this ridiculous like task it seems like a sisyphean task doesn't it
2: i know and he you can exactly and you can uh see his frustration with not just this stupid task but kind of the system the problems with the system itself whereas a and he calls it out explicitly in a Mm -hmm. line of dialogue he says to landsman i've got a you know got a 22 year old um female who just got shot And you want me to go chase some stupid gun? Basically, (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of like... and Landsman Landsman is like he is the system, yeah, isn't he? For all like Landsman lives and breeds that uh, institution. Well, that's it. When ill or
0: not, he doesn't challenge it; he just is it. That's it. When Roll says jump, he says how high. Yeah, exactly. Can I go higher? (laughs) We see, yeah, obviously, Bunky's good police, and he sees the kids. He's surveying the area, and he sees the kids acting out that's such a sad moment yeah, isn't it i want can i i want to be omar next and he just knows yeah what's what's happened here exactly
2: yeah it's a it's a very quick reflective moment for how how fucked the whole thing is for yeah. for want of a better phrase <laughs>
4: you
1: know everybody at the time even as kids in the area that he was controlling everybody wanted to be Omar. he was the most infamous character he was stealing people's drugs from everybody
0: and if you want to know what Kenneth sounds like grown up, this is him. This is Liso Dingwald.
1: Um, he was he was uh, the John Wick of of Baltimore. Like he did whatever he wanted. Um, so you know, as a young kid, and just as that character, and having that line at the time, it was like, damn, that's kind of that's the kind of impact you're leaving on these kids. Like, is that they want to feel like you killing out here? It was it was interesting. Um, really looking at it in retrospect now, it's like wow, like this is the dawn of something. And then when you watch it in, in whole from three, four and five, it's like, this is the dawn of a killer. Like and you don't even know. it.
2: <laughs> but it's funny. Like, and that's, what's good about bunk because you get these moments. Bunk's not a hero either. Mm. Like in many ways. No, no Right. And, and that's what's like, um, you get these moments where bunk, yeah, bunk's a good guy and bunk. He can kind of see right for wrong, but we, we literally saw him in the, in this episode, like, um, Beating
0: a uh, beating a witness horribly and sort of kind yeah. of joking yeah, about it about with Mcnulty. Yeah, because yeah, the story was he they found a witness who shot was partially, partially responsible for the shooting Dozerman, um, and oh, I just stopped him by the, the Western Union, the Western District, so those guys could um, basically beat him up as well, and that's that shows the case that you know the levels of police brutality in this case. But he does it so not shortly exactly and it's just like par for the course and this is how it's
2: done and you know so yeah again it's the wire just being so so good in that this this character like this institution is kind of broken even Mm. yeah but even though he can see the faults in some elements like i should be investigating the murder he can't even see the fact that he shouldn't be you know beating people to to living death yeah. to to you know to get results
1: now i would like it very much if i could unclench my ample ass cheeks if you don't mind and rid myself of that discomfort jay i just caught one that pushed this way all the way to the top of my stack a victim jay on the real side do tell second body in a double girl in her 20s caught in the middle of a firefight takes one in the dome but she's still dead in a zip code that does not fucking matter and you still owe me a departmental issue nine find the fucking gun Link. fuck
0: me an underlying thread that we kind of hear about and is discussed a few times in this episode is the like Ray Cole, for example, was supposed to be um, the next up in line to take the to take the homicide off Tosha, but he was unavailable. Mm. We then later find out that he... He died on a treadmill. Yeah, he died yeah. on a Stairmaster. A um, Stairmaster, yeah, yeah, specifically. And um, this is really tough because one thing you may or may not know is that Ray Cole was... Is Robert F. Colesbury is one of the main kind of driving forces of The Wire. Mm. He, as much as David Simon and all the other guys behind the scene and, and uh, crew. He was he's the main reason, one of the main reasons that the Why exists as a TV show. So it really did hit everyone super hard when this happened, and I didn't realise at the time, the first time I watched this, how much of an impact it was. But on a rewatch, you can see people probably being distraught by this.
2: Yeah, the uh, yeah, I don't think the actors are acting here, no. are they? You know, it's and in in many ways, it's a. That wake is, you know, as much of a send off for, for Robert Coldsbury as it was for the character of Ray Cole, yeah, if totally. not, if not, if not much more so, in fact, totally. um, and I think it's a really lovely
0: scene, isn't it? It, it is. And I, it's touching. Before we go into the scene, I just think, I just find that how, how tough must it have been to say, guys, one of the, one of us is dead, but we need to keep on, we need to keep on going. And yeah, it, but they do it in such a it's in such a fantastic way. Maybe that like, I don't know. Maybe akin to the Fast and Furious when Brian dies and they manage to fill out the rest of that. Of that. <laughs> I never thought we'd end up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, talk about the Fast and Furious. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Producer Tom here, been uh, biding my time before I make an appearance on season three of the Wire Stripped. I just wanted to put in and say that Brian didn't actually die in the Fast and the Furious. Back to you guys.
0: <laughs> but they, they just, I think they just do it so well and so eloquently it's, And ties in befitting of the characters in the show And of the show itself That wake is just it's yes, tear-jerking
2: exactly it, do, it doesn't feel out of place no. with the show at all uh, As a tribute So you're right, it serves both purposes very, very well
1: We are police, So no lies between us He wasn't the greatest detective He wasn't the worst He put down some good cases And he dogged a few bad ones But the motherfucker had his moments Yes he fucking did You you remember the uh, Mississippi extradition The arson murders Right. He brought that case home And the triple At the after hours over on Hudson Street That was Ray Cole at his best And uh, Fayette Street 93, the drug wars He took a lot of hot corners and cooled them Yes, indeed. He uh, he won as much as he lost, much as any of us.
2: Um, I re- I really enjoyed Landsman's speech. I yeah. know we were talking about how Landsman is this kind of horrible <laughs> emblematic uh, simple, yes, symbol of the institution, but like he's you forget how good he is with words. <laughs> what, this is it. Yeah, he yeah. I actually wrote down what what he um what he said. He had this brilliant line about uh how Ray Cole was sharing a dark corner of the American experiment with, the, with them and I just thought that was such a great way to sum up the whole show really isn't it
0: it is and London's speech he can't really complete it he can't oh uh, yeah he can't he can't get through it and, and they rescue him with the music Yeah. lester does lester rec- rescue the music and they it, i don't know it's just it's just I've, i'm quite touched actually just thinking about it yeah um yeah Tom, play, play the music.
4: <laughs> Save us, Tom. For Christ's sake, Hugh, play the fucking song already. Did he uh, piss off a wife
1: for three? <laughs> no fucking doubt. <laughs> I think the last one actually kind of got used to him, thank God. <laughs> Did he say the wrong shit now and then? Did he bust balls and cheat on his taxes and forget to call his mother and fuck the wrong broad for the wrong fucking reason every now and then? <laughs> Who fucking doesn't? Christ! Was he as full of shit as every other sad sack motherfucker wearing a badge of Baltimore City Police? Absolutely. fucking His shit was as weak as ours, no question. But Ray Cole stood with us. All of us. In Baltimore... Working, sharing a dark corner of the American experiment. He was called. He served. He is counted. Old King Cole. Old King Cole.
6: It was a celebration of him and his brilliance in his life, but also the sadness of him not being there.
0: It was a pleasure to be joined by Brian Anthony Wilson, better known as Detective Holly.
6: Because I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, inter- interaction with him, of course I knew who he was and was very saddened by his passing. But um, yeah, it just was that, like he said, that sense of camaraderie. And uh, we were all there to honor him. And, uh, and that was a beautiful thing, um, you know, even with the extras and, uh, you know, the main characters, the cast of characters, which is one of the few times that we're all together. And um, yeah, it just was, I mean, it, it made, you, made you a little teary too, but um, it just had that, that sense of camaraderie and all everybody coming together to honor this man, this, you know, another fallen hero. Uh So I just, it was just wonderful to be there uh, for, you know, for a myriad of reasons and, you know, being back in the fold, but also just to honor him and his legacy.
3: Rasul, professor at Indiana University, Um, and I also teach a class on The Wire, and this message is for Kobe, Dave, and Tom. It is great to have you all back in our ears, and I look forward to your perspectives on season three, which is my favorite season. As for this season, my favorite character by far is Major Howard Bunny Colvin, who is also my favorite character of the entire show, which is performed brilliantly by Robert Wisdom. Um, his portrayal of a man with earnest, a person with integrity is the best that any of us can be within our roles within the state. And the line that represents this the most for me is when he says simply to a concerned citizen wishing to know what the answer to crime in the neighborhoods. And Bunny says simply, I'm not sure, but whatever it is, it can't be a lie. Thanks, you all.
2: And thank you for uh, that that voice note, and that uh, as always was left on our burner phone. And uh, if you want to leave us a message, you can do so uh, by heading over to our social channels at The Wire Stripped, and you can get our burner phone number there, uh, or you can send us a voice note to our email address, which is producers at thewirestripped.com.
0: Yeah. Thirty seconds long. Let us know your name. Let us know the message, and uh, we'll play the best ones out in the next episode. And as a theme, we're thinking for next week: if you were to infiltrate a stash house—that's right—if you were to infiltrate a stash house, what disguise would you use? <laughs> <laughs> think,
2: think, Omar and Bob's level antics here. Yeah, I want yeah.
0: The, you know the more random, the stupider, the better. Because <laughs> it seems to be—it seems to be the stupider. The easier it is to get into a string of Bell um, stash house, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. If you, if you just march up there with a shotgun and ask for the drugs, <laughs> it's not going to fly. But if no. you you dress up as an old lady in a wheelchair... Fine. You march right in, baby. Come on through. <laughs> <laughs> if you're enjoying the show and you want to support us, well, you can do so now at our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the wire stripped. All of your contributions go towards helping the show's production and to the Ella Thompson Fund. It's a charity supported by uh, the, the, the Wire production itself. Uh, and you get a lot of juicy bonus content uh, like the full-length exclusive interviews that we do with the cast members. They'll all be up there uh, to listen one, one a month uh, and there's a host of other um, goodies that you get including the opportunity to be able to contribute questions to future interviews.
0: And one of the benefits is a shout out on the podcast. You heard a few of the guys mentioned at the top of the show. And these guys are our co-op level patrons. They are Rowan Brunswick, Chris Harrison, Mike Tobin, Steve Latif, Victor Morales, Bill Karl-Martin, Anna enger Hansen, and Jackie Hughes. Thank you so much, guys. It is much, much appreciated. Let's just cover off the last couple of storylines quickly. Um, Marlowe is becoming a bigger and bigger force in, in The Wire. And his lieutenant, I guess, Fruit kind of comes to him and says, well, he calls Fruit to, to his meeting place, which is a, a playground, it seems. <laughs> yeah. And he <laughs> says, hey, man, your numbers are down. Oh, God. Like, yeah, it's the Barstow guys. And Marlo just says, kind of, yeah, sort it out, mate. And next thing you know, he's beating down on, put- on Bodhi's crew when Bodhi's not there. Yeah. Um, it's pretty brutal, right? It was, yeah. Yeah. Just put, it just kind of puts you in that kind of mindset as to where Marlo, what kind of character Marlo is. Um, he's a few paces away from the action, but he's definitely coordinating stuff.
2: And he's vicious. Yeah,
0: like there's, there's, he's cold, and uh, it's such
2: an interesting. It's kind of such a a mismatch of a rivalry, like uh, Marlowe and Stringer Bell, mm. isn't it? Like no, they're totally. just they're not even playing the same game, and but kind of Stringer's playing the wrong game, isn't he? Yes, uh, <laughs> and so and and it's costing the people on the front line like Bodie and Puddin and all them because
0: they're the ones taking the beatings. Absolutely. Um, the last storyline is Cutty. Um, just a very quick one. I'm just I'm ready to tear up. I with, fucking with lo- love Cutty so much. He's trying to do right. Yeah. This, he's such a beautiful man. He's trying to do right and his in his mind doing right is trying to reconnect with you know an old flame uh, he finds his old home sister uh, Grace's sister is uh, the lady she's trying to track down and she directs him towards uh, the school where she's working but also says dude she's kind of hitched on she's on the straight and narrow and I don't think she's going to be for you and the next thing we see is Cutty there getting himself prepped has a bit of a uh... boxing session Gets a suit and shirt and tie on, his grandmother and gives him some money. Is
2: his oh. it his mother or grandmother? I don't know. Let's yeah. find
0: out. Some old lady. Yeah. The, the lady he <laughs> lives with. <laughs> the old lady lives with. Uh gives him some money and says you need to look right. Oh. Uh and man, this just killed me. And it just it just wasn't for her. It just wasn't for her at that time. She's she's stepped up a few paces.
2: But I liked I liked her reaction. Yeah. You could so it starts with her very much kind of trying to walk away from him. Absolutely. As in, like... so like, oh, is the guy from the past. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we, we've, we've all been there, like, the somebody you don't want to talk to from, exactly. from your past, an old friend or whatever. But, like, she's... Li- yeah, she's literally trying to get to her car. Like, he represents her past that yes. she's managed yes. to escape. And sh- this even, is though a- a ma-
0: even though it's got a massive suit on.
2: I <laughs> know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. An ill-fitting uh, <laughs> suit. Um... And I like how he looks wrong in the suit. It is, yeah. Uncomfortable. Chad Coleman is, like, really pulling it off. Like, he looked, (laughs) yeah, exactly, uncomfortable. But she soft... I I like this scene and I like how she softens and she kind of sees... She sees the willingness in him to get out the game. Yeah. Um, And... And she offers him a, a connect, yeah, uh, right, but like a real legit a real connect, connect for yeah. a job uh, in in the show Parks and Rec. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a good a recurring character Parks on Parks and Rec. and Rec, yeah. And he and he
0: didn't even jump at that opportunity. He could have been there with John John Raphael Sappho's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of small. Things. Let's go through a few things, a few points we haven't gone through because there's a lot to cover in this episode. Um, we see Carcetti here. It's just kind of building more foundations for him, really. Um, we'll talk about him more in, in, in coming episodes. Is there anything else on Carcetti? you think is worth noting here? Yeah, we get um, we get that short uh, scene of
2: him sort of out campaigning at some kind of party, isn't yeah. he? And he's got this enthralled audience and he's telling one of his classic Carcetti jokes, which I think is like kind of... Kind of falls flat, I think. <laughs> but he seems to have this rapturous audience well, with this anecdote. Even well, the easy. even the kids are like leaning in, like, "Oh yeah, tell us, tell us about how you 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 told off the senator or whatever." It's like it's like I don't know, I don't really buy this guy sometimes as a, as a politician, um, but he's undeniably effective, like and determined. But we but I think the interesting thing you you like you get in this episode in terms of uh, character building with Carcetti is like his sort of side eye for for the ladies yes, right yeah. um while he is like has his wife and children next to him you know he's he makes a few moves yeah and he, yeah. Does, he doesn't wait around like he uh and then and then he's shipping them off in the car and saying goodbye and i think the the show sort of this again great visual economic storytelling mm. you know we know where his mind is w- way early in this and when he's shipping them off in the car you're like you know where it's going yeah. you don't you, do, you almost don't even need the last scene in the hotel no, bathroom like you just know
4: the family life was presented as uh, i thought it was pretty realistic you know he was a, he was a deceiver and he was a cheater you know
0: the voice you're hearing now is Aidan Gillen, who plays carcetti
4: and uh, but he was uh, had, had enough of an, an ego to be able to live live with that, you know. And the scenes with with uh, Jen and you know that the the, the kids were, you, you know, it's. I don't think he found it hard to to. It wasn't like a, an act he was putting on. It was just this is yeah. This is this is my. This is my family, and I do love them, and uh, they're devoted to me. And you know, I'm never here. I'm you know, out on the campaign tra- trailer, or you know, in in the, the campaign office all night, or uh, you know, cheating on my wife, um, which we we actually saw twice, really. You know, um. Again, this stuff happens, you know, uh, in, in, in the real world. And I'd say it's quite rife in, you know, with politicians, rising star politicians, even golden boys like, like JFK.
2: Kobe, I'd like to present to you my alternative epigraph for this episode. Please do. And this is a line from Burrell in the Comstat meeting with Bunny where he says to the room, he says, when the gods are fucking you, you find a way to fuck them back. It's Baltimore, gentlemen. The gods will not save you. And that's just (laughs) such a
0: glorious line. Well, it does actually lead... The actual epigraph is the gods will not save you. But uh, the whole... Yeah, but uh, I've extended it, so it's totally different. It's the full thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's the full monologue. Um, My alternative epigraph is... Something we haven't really touched upon in this seat, in this episode is is Burrell trying to um, appease the mayor. Carcetti's causing a bit of shit here because he's trying to say, "Well, we've there's budget for these academy classes, but it's not happening." And this is Carcetti raising some shit. So there's a meeting between uh, Burrell and the mayor and Odell Watkins, and they're all kind of having a bit of an argument. And at one point, one of them goes. <laughs> It's not like we want to have a real job, guys. Come on. <laughs> I just love the way that they're, they're, they're almost like kids in a kids in like in the playgrounds, but they don't want to be proper human beings. Yeah. At the same time and It's sinister,
2: isn't it? It is. Yeah. I thought that was a really creepy scene. Like you and you you just bought it. Yeah. And I thought like fr- uh, Frankie Faison was really good in this moment it's because brilliant. he starts laughing with them all. And then cuts it off after like two seconds and, and, and is like, right, I'm out of here. Like yeah. he just switched it off. Yeah. And, and that's like just indicated that he's a pro at political schmoozing and and playing that game. And when it was off, it was up. And he was pissed off with Royce, so he, yes. and, he and he showed it. Yeah. So, you know.
0: Absolutely. Well, that was season three, episode three of The Wire Stripped. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us. We will be back next week for episode four, which is called Hamsterdam.
2: Yeah, we're that's starting, what we've been waiting for we're starting to get there now uh, if you if you want to chat to us as always we are at The Wire Stripped on uh, Facebook on Twitter, on Instagram uh, or you can email us producers at
0: com. please do contact us guys it's super important and it really does feel great to hear from you all and um, We cannot say thank you enough to all the people who've helped put this podcast together because it's not just me and Dave and Tom. There's a few people who've joined us this season. Uh, Martin and Sam, as always, from Song by Song podcast, they've they've made the theme music that you can hear right now.
2: Uh, And our lovely artwork for season three was made by Simon Devereaux. uh, And you can find him at devznoodles on all the social channels.
0: Yeah. uh, Obi Joshua, who's been helping us with the production support and research for season three. Uh, Ben Williams, who's been uh, doing a lot of editing and production support for us. And Tom, as you know, producer Tom, our beleaguered and awesome uh, serious producer and editor and all things technical
2: guy At all, all things technical guy that's what it all says on tech- his LinkedIn. <laughs> exactly yeah
0: <laughs> that's what if you went into a shop that's what his, his title that's what his label would be all things technical guy <laughs> oh yeah like the apple geniuses
4: yeah exactly yeah. no
0: you're gonna have to head over to the all things technical
2: guys <laughs> counter <laughs> over there please please ask them all right we'll see you next week
0: guys Catch you later, guys bye
5: you just heard a stripped media production